Welcome to Hanratty's Huddle with your host, Terry Hanratty. I'm Dave Taromeo and Terry, another a pre-holiday uh, podcast here. I have to tell you, we had our radio show last night. I was telling you about the Clubhouse Christmas Spectacular. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it, but you were there, not only in spirit. We talked about the podcast for a good while. We talked about you, what a good guy you are, and how you have these great stories, and how you don't take yourself too seriously, and how much fun we're having doing this. So, uh, on behalf of Rob Adams, Mark Jeffers, uh, you know, we, we want to wish you a happy holiday, and also, um, as we enter this this next podcast, uh, want to see what your thoughts are about the world of sports. Well, we do have a lot of things going out there, Dave, so, uh, you know, it's been fun for the first seven or eight weeks we've been doing it, so we'll just keep it going and see what uh, see what we come up with, and it, it, it's amazing because you initially thought, well, how am I going to come up with something to say each week? That was one of my biggest thoughts of even doing this. Yeah. Then I started thinking. There's something always coming up, always. several things, and so you're never going to get stale on material. That's for sure. Not in the sports world. Not in this, especially in this world where it's, everything seems to be uh, a little wacky, if you will. Um, so let's start with the wacky stuff. Uh, we were just mentioning, you know, our local one of the teams. Unfortunately, the team that I root for, the New York Jets, and their constant uh, news cycle. What do you think of all this uh, Zach Wilson stuff? Well, I, first of all, I feel really bad for the defense they have mm, because they are playoff defense. They are really good, and they play really hard, and it's very difficult for a defense to keep up this kind of uh, play with the offense not doing much and, and, and with the offense not really in chaos. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing anything, but they're in chaos. Yes. And I would have never changed Wilson. Right. Keep him in there. Let him – give him the year – your yeah. Rodgers is hurt. He's going to be back next year. Hopefully yeah. he doesn't go back this year because I don't really think that you should try to push that because there's no reason to. No reason, yeah. And But, you know, they're going to – then, you know, it leaked out that I guess he they say he didn't want to play because I guess the fans were on him and he was tired of the media and all that stuff. But I was really proud of Rodgers stepping up. Yeah. Saying what kind of kid he was and, you know, take it easy on him because, you know, he's learning the, the game – and he really, you know, for a quarterback, for a player to go out on management. Yeah. Of course, that shows where he is. He's got $100 million in the bank. Yeah. So he doesn't really need the Jets as far as financial concerns. Right. But he talked about how the, how the, uh, the Jets front office you mm. know, leaked, let this leak. Yeah. And you can't have that. I mean, the, the locker room, and that's, the locker room includes the whole organization. Right. So you have to really be locked up in there. Yeah. And you just can't let any any, any stuff get, get out because, you know, it, it just hurts people. It, it, it does no no good for you. Well, I agree with you. And I, to me, it, it shows a sign of, uh, of weak leadership. And you've heard me say this before. I, I attribute that right to the owner. I think the owner, and this is not your opinion. I'm not speaking on behalf of Terry Hanratty. This is Dave Taromeo. As a Jets fan, as somebody who's lived with this, you know what show for 50 years after Namath, you know, took us to the Super Bowl and apparently sold the soul of the team because it's just been ridiculous one thing after another. But I find Woody Johnson to be really lacking in this area of leadership. I, I do like Joe Douglas. I don't think Salah is a good head coach. But you have to pin that on leadership when things like this happen. And it happens to this team all the time. And I really think Woody is hands-on, too. That could be the problem. That's probably the problem because, you know, he's not, he's not a football person. Right. And, you know, 
Jerry Jones in Dallas is hands-on. Right. But Jerry knows football. Jerry, Jerry played the game. played football. Played at Arkansas. Exactly. And he played at a high level, and he's right. been, been with it all the time. So when he yeah. makes a statement, it's pretty damn good. Right. But when Woody doesn't say much, but I don't yeah. think he knows how to push the right buttons. And that yeah. seems to be with the Jets that they just don't – it's typical of the Jets to have a great defense. Yeah. Then to have a real potentially good offense with Rodgers. Then the fourth play of the season, Rodgers is gone. So you just yeah. realize, okay, this is Jets. This is the Jets again. This is the Jets again. Same old Jets. You know, just end the season. All the things that we've learned over the years. But I have to say, getting back to Woody Johnson, you know, we think about, you know, this this person. I mean, he's is he a successful man? I personally, because he's inherited billions of dollars from Johnson and Johnson and his father. What I mean, that means nothing to me. He, he's done nothing in my book. To show, I mean, what does he does, does he does he oversee the vaccine? You know, I mean, does he oversee you know the baby powder? You know, I'm, I'm being ridiculous, but the point is the same level of of, of uh, expertise he has in that stuff is where he brings his football expertise, which is nothing other than his checkbook. Let's be honest. And we don't even know if he was even hands on with the. Uh with the pharmaceutical business. Well, yeah, I doubt oh. it, right? I mean, that they walk in his office and say, hey, we have researchers working on this. What's he going to say? Well, let me, you know, <laughs> let me try it. Good or job. Me, <laughs> good job. Yeah, is it going to make me money is, is probably his question. So, all right, so enough of that. I mean, but I do have a question because you brought it up about, you know, the offense and the defense and the, and the locker room being sacrosanct and, the, and, and your experience as a player. When you have a team like this, and I don't know if you've ever been on one like this, but do you have I mean, the defensive guys and they've just worked their tails off and they walk in the locker room and they lose the game, or even New England. New England has a decent defense, right? They just lost 6 nothing last week to the, to the Chargers. Um, so they have to be going through similar things there where it's like they walk in, my God, we, just, we only gave up six points and we lost. Is there kind of a divide? Is there a guy looking at you kind of like, you know, yeah, defensive guy looking at offensive guy like, you know, what the heck is wrong? You know, why can't you guys do your jobs or why are you so bad? There, There is. Okay. And I think that's where the head coach has to be the strongest. Because if you go back to the early Steeler days when I was there, obviously, when, when my rookie year we were 1-13. Chuck Noll was the first coach. I was Joe Green was his first pick. I was his second pick. Right. So, you know, I was there at the very beginning. And we were 1-13. We with a good defense. Yeah. I mean, one thing about Pittsburgh, always had the mentality, you hated to play the Steelers, even when the Steelers weren't winning, yeah. because you know you're going to get, gonna get right. your butt kicked. Right. You're going to win, but you're going to get beat up. So that's sort of what it was. And even for the first few years before we, the first year we won the Super Bowl, everybody said, oh, then the only reason they won was because of their defense. Right. Which is true. Yeah. I mean, our defense was that strong. But we didn't make the mistakes on all this. We maybe right. didn't score all that much, right. but we didn't give them points. We didn't give them opportunities. Right. We tried to just plug along until it all became one. Right. Good offense, good defense, right. and that's where you got to get to. But the Jets, I think they were on the verge of it. But with Rodgers yeah. getting hurt, they just and weren't able to. The injury but I just yeah. hope that this Wilson, because yeah. I like the kid, I and I think... He has potential. He has a good arm. Everybody's well. He has no head. Well, that's a stupid statement because you just aren't in meetings with him and you have no idea what he is even inside his head. But uh, I think you really have to give him. You know, don't pull him in and out. I think that's where Salah was made a mistake. 
yeah. live, live and die with the kid because the season's basically over as far as playoffs. No, it's over, right? Yeah. So, but you're right, and and we, we we've seen this before with with Sam Donald, you know. With I mean, it's like and others, and it's like they just they I think you know they listen too much to the media and too much to the fans. If you have a plan. Stay with your plan. Now, Zach Wilson, I think you're right. I think he's getting five years. We're going to say, man, he the Jets should have stuck with this guy because he, as you know, good or bad or indifferent, he he's probably needs a change of venue. He probably needs a change of scenery. I think and he I, does. Yeah. At this point, I think he needs a change of scenery. And if you look back, Sam Darnold was not the problem here, right? And they gave him, he was a first round pick. Yep. And they gave him up basically for nothing, so that hurt him in the draft. They end up having to take another quarterback, number two in the draft. Yeah. Where if you're number two in the draft, you can trade that spot. Right. To anybody and get two number two picks. Yep. And get two really good offensive linemen. Yes. And you build from there. Yeah. But everybody is caught up with the receiver who catches the ball with one hand. Yeah, exactly. One time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Or the quarterback who has all this, whether it's the Heisman or whether it's all-American or whether just this flair. Yeah. But if you don't have, and I, we've said it before, we, and I'll keep saying it again because that's the biggest thing about football. Yeah. If you don't have the offensive line, you don't have okay. a team. It starts in the trenches. It always has and it always will. And one last thing for me on this is if you are making a decision on any player based on their pro day, when they're out there in shorts and a T-shirt running around, then you really shouldn't be a scout or a GM or anything in the game because you I mean, you got to go a little deeper than that, I think. That's just my personal Yeah, you're not drafting for flag football. That's right, exactly. All right, so what's next on your agenda? What do you what do you think about what's going on with the NCAA and and all the all the stuff in the in this crazy college sports world that we're in now? Well, the NCAA is finally after about 50 years of saying nothing it's finally come out and going to say that, you know, and, and they haven't even been clear on what they want the, the team. Because they're petrified now because they know they're out. Yeah. And they're somehow trying to dig their way back in by giving a little, uh, uh, an olive branch to the Power Four. We used to have Power Five just last year. Yep. Now we're down to Power Four because there's no West Coast League anymore. There's no Pac-10, Pac-12. And, but and, and they want, you know, they want to. The teams, be, the, the schools, to be able to pay the players. Right. Now, when we first start talking about the NIL and the portal and all this stuff, my yeah. biggest concern, biggest, and now it's going to come to fruition, are the student athletes themselves. Yeah. And that is going to, the student part of that is going to be thrown out. Yeah. Because no more, they're going to pay these kids, and all of a sudden they're going to come out and say, okay, if we got to, we have to pay them X amount of dollars, then. We can't afford to pay for their schooling. So they're going to basically be employees of the university, and they're going to, and they're going to end up uh, leaving school because still, no matter how you change any of these numbers, yeah. whether how much you give them or whatever, the only less than 1% make it to the pros. That's right. So if you don't have that college degree, mm-hmm. you're going to be 30 years old saying, what am I going to do? And it's opening up a can of worms because even if these kids make a few bucks in college, they, they're they young, they're going to go out and they're going to buy the cars and they're going to, not all of them, but, but, and they're big percentage. And they don't understand the, the tax ramifications of any of this. And they're going to walk out of there and they're going to get hit over the head by the IRS 
and it's going to be a big problem. It's probably already a big problem. I would like to see how, well, I wouldn't like to see it because, you know, I think we've talk, touched on it before. I mean, these kids are going to make, you know, since the quarterback for Notre Dame last year, Hartman, made $4 million. Yeah. Now, if he goes out and what, I'm, 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 I've never met him, but what kind of guy he is, but if he goes out and spends that $4 million, yeah. IRS going to come and say, okay, you owe me two. That's right. <laughs> and, and you're going to see, maybe not to that degree, right, huh? but you're going to see these guys getting all these tax situations. That's right. And it's just, you know, so bad, and they're not going to have any degree to fall back on. Yeah. And it's just really a can of worms right now. It is a can of worms, and it goes back to there's no free lunch. But uh, whether or not you agree that, that they should be paid, uh, or any student athlete should be paid, I think, in my opinion, amateur athletics at, at its core is dead. It, it started to die when we allowed professionals into the Olympics. So we will never see a 1980 hockey uh, thing again where the where the where these college kids upset the Russians, who were basically pros, because they didn't play by the same rules. But that, but still, we'll never see that again. We'll not, because they can make money and they're professionals and NHL players can play and NBA basketball players are play, have been playing in the Olympics for years. And to me, it's not as fun. But now we have this in college athletics where they're basically professionals. So, you know, who are the amateurs? The high school kids? And, you know, where does it stop? I mean, I don't think it even stops in high school. I think they're, the NIL is trickling into the high schools as well. What I always wanted to do, and I said a long time ago, is that I think a student athlete, you should keep those two, two terms together. Should, what they should do is every school should guarantee that kid a diploma. No matter whether he's 50 years old and he's maybe one or two years short of his graduation, he can come back free of charge and get that degree. Right. And if you need to pay people, right now there's there's a system involved. It's not a big system involved every school. or They can pay for parents to come see football games because they can't afford to see their son play. So they can arrange these things, and they can, they're allowed through the NCAA to, you know, to pay for different transportations. But if you want to pay them a stipend, but people keep getting away from, you know, the, a college. Very few make money. Yeah. And when you, when you start blowing it up like this, you know, they're going to, you're going to have just the rich, you're going to have a, have a handful of guys out there that, that can afford to play the game that you guys are proposing right now. That's right. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a situation I don't think we want to see because it is amateur sports is going to be, is, is going to be, it's, uh, Gone. We are a semi-pro league right now in college. That's right. It's a that's, semi-pro. That's where it's, that's the direction is going. It's the minor league to the NFL, and then, as you said, it's not going to change the numbers. Even if, I mean, obviously the NFL is also a watered-down product because there's so many more teams than there used to be when you played. But now, even if they add teams, there's just not enough room for all these players to make the NFL, or you know, and then these other leagues they try to start, and who knows? But you know. This is a problem. This is a problem. So, um, and continuing on with the problem, another problem that the college football has specifically is, you know, what happened uh, with this playoff system. And why don't we talk about that for a second? I mean, Florida State goes undefeated and gets left on the sideline. They're going to 12 teams next year. Right. You're going to see 13, 14, 15, and 16 bitching. Yep. That's right. you got to make a cutoff somewhere. Right. But an undefeated team? An undefeated team. You know, it doesn't... I take for the eye test. My my final four yeah. was different from what came up. Oh, is that right? I would have taken Georgia. 
Okay. Alabama. Okay. And I'm no fan of either, believe me. Right, right. And I would have taken Texas. Right. And I would have taken Washington. Okay. And I've seen all four of those teams. I've seen all of them play. Yeah. But I've seen those teams play. And they, to me, are the final four. And those are the best teams. Yeah. And the schedule they played is very difficult. Yeah. And, I would, you know, Michigan I wouldn't have put in. Because the Big Ten is, you take away Penn State, questionable. But you take away Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah. From the Big Ten. Then you have a pretty, you know, Partly, even league up there. Yep. You don't have many. You know, the SEC, I think, has the most good teams. The West Coast has a lot of good teams this year. ACC usually has one or two. Yeah. And it's, you know, the best teams should be playing. And I don't care anything about Alabama. I don't care anything about Georgia. Yeah. Or Washington or Texas. But I think those are the four best teams because they have everything. Yeah. They have quarterbacks. They have offenses. They have defenses. And, you know, Gone. I mean, they have nothing, no no weaknesses. Okay, and that's a fair assessment. I, I understand where you're coming from. The SEC is by far and away the best college football conference. Uh, maybe the, the Big 12 behind them with Texas and, and all those schools. But, um, you know, and this is actually, there might be litigation now because the, the governor of, of uh, Florida is uh, has put a million dollars into the budget to sue the NCAA. It's crazy what's happening in, in, the, in the sports world. But I, I think, and, and here's a telltale thing, and I know you love Michigan. I know you do. But yeah. um, did you see the reaction of the players when they when they flashed up that they're playing Alabama, the Michigan players? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Well, it was not very. It wasn't very enthusiastic, was it? Right. It was <laughs> because they had all the film. Yeah. On Georgia. Yeah. Well, they didn't look very happy to be playing Alabama. So, but um, okay. So, but Notre Dame is in a bowl game this year, and I'm, you're going to have to go out and buy some frosted flakes. I think you're going to have to go uh, a long way to get to that bowl, and I'll, I'll watch it on TV on the 29th of December. I think it is. It's they're in the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, and they're playing Oregon State. And actually, that could be a good game. Well, we've, we've played them twice in the past, and we got our butts kicked both oh, times. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. And we are down so many players. I don't know who's going to play. I see. Because all the kids that have gone to the pros, we have 11 kids go to the portal, number one. Yeah. Then we have about five guys that are going to the pros, going out early. So they've decided not to play. So we're going to have Angeli, our quarterback from uh, from New Jersey. Well, you like him, though. I like him a lot. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I hope, you know, there's there's your transfer portal again. Yeah. Steve Angeli has played so well. Yeah. Every time he's had an opportunity. He hasn't had many. Both spring games I've seen him, and he's been very good. Both the times that he gets into games, he does very well. Right. And right. so, and the kid is big, he's strong, he's got a good arm, and he can move. And he's a tough kid. So, you got to give him a shot. You know, my theory is that, is that with Jack Cohn, we lost three games. Right. With Sam Hartman, we lost three games. And we paid to get these guys to come in. Yeah. Why not just teach them, you know, you, you recruit them as a high school senior and just teach them how to play quarterback. And just lift them up from within. Yeah. I mean, that's what, now there's rumors that, uh, we know, we're going to get the kid from Duke. Oh, yeah, I saw that. As yeah, a, yeah. As a, another yeah. stopgap. Right. We have a five-star coming in from Michigan yeah. next year, C.J. Carr. Okay. Who's Lloyd Carr, Lloyd Carr former yeah. Michigan coach, coach yeah. huh? grandson. 
Oh, is that right? How about yeah. that? Yeah. So he's coming in, and I'm sure Michigan's not happy with that because yep. of losing a five-star quarterback whose father used to coach there. But it's yeah. just when you put the stops on and say, okay, no more transfer portal yep. for quarterbacks. Let's develop them ourselves. Yes. You're telling me two things. First of all, your recruiting's bad. Right. Or you don't know how to develop a quarterback. Because you should be able to put them in the pipeline. As a freshman, you teach them, teach them, teach them. Get them into games occasionally. Yeah. Get them here. Don't lose their eligibility. But keep them, keep them. And now you have a, a finished product. Right. But now once you keep bringing kids in, how do you recruit top-notch quarterbacks? Well, you're going to recruit a kid and say, you're coming in, but you know, each year until you're a senior, we're going to pick someone else out of the out of the uh, com- or the football world to play quarterback for us. Yeah. So there's got to be a point where they stop and just let the kids develop within their own system. And we're also seeing a lot of this. What you're saying about, like for example, the Holiday Bowl, uh, Louisville's playing Southern Cal. Well, Caleb Williams isn't playing, and, and and whether you agree with it or not, I mean, I love the bowls, all the bowls, and I love the bowl season. Some of these bowls are pretty interesting. I mean, the names and you have now you have bowls where you didn't used to have bowls like Fenway, the Fenway Bowl in Boston, the Pinstripe Bowl in New York. Hey, you know, come on. But here's a good one: the Pop Tarts Bowl. You know, so <laughs> that's in Orlando, Florida. So Pop Tarts obviously is a sponsor. But uh, you know, so let's put college uh, football in in the rearview mirror for a second and talk about your Steelers because they play tonight. They play the the woeful New England Patriots, and I love I love being able to say that about the Patriots. Don't don't hate me. A good Jet fan loves to see just, New England win the yeah, pain. And, and uh, we really do. But at the end of the day, uh, the Steelers play the Patriots, and the Steelers are coming off a really bad loss. And the whole town is talking for Mike Tomlin to get out. Oh, God. Well, that's. I, mean, I don't know what kind of coach he is. I really don't. I know he's yeah. been very successful, but I never hear him say anything. I, you know, he. He pontificates after a game. It doesn't say much of football. <laughs> it does ramble. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he doesn't see on the sideline. He's yeah. so emotionless. Yeah. It's like your coach with, with the Jets. Yeah. I mean, he's on the sideline, very stoic. Yeah. He looks the part, but I don't know if he's a good coach or not because I, I never hear him say anything uh, other than, you know, he's he's the best thing for us this week. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and it's called coach speak, and it, it's, it, gets, it gets annoying after a while. But you this, wouldn't hear Vince Lombardi say stuff these guys say. No. And... and Pittsburgh has been so up and down. They're not that good right now. But they're better than New England. I hope. (laughs) I mean, last week, you would have said we're better than Arizona. We're playing Arizona at home, and we still got beat. Well, and and here's the – I think this is why people are on Tomlin, because one of the players said – and I don't know who it was. You could probably look it up. One of the Steelers said after the game, we – we just overlooked them. We didn't. We really didn't take them seriously. So, speaking of Arizona, and that's the head coach job. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. You got to. You've got to get your. I, our my coaches, I've said it before. All three of them are in the Hall of Fame. My high school, college, right. and pro. Right. And they hounded us. Yep. When we were playing a quote bad team. Yep. And because he said they're not going to be bad Saturday or Sunday. Right. So you got to really get up to these games, and they really pressed you. Yep. And some of our hardest practices in those three levels were against teams that we were getting ready to play that were much inferior to us. Right. Because our coach did not want us to get lackadaisical. So if you and they'll bite you. Yep. You got to realize every team in in the NFL is a pro team. Right. So they have the ability to do something good, whether they consistently do it. Each play to play to play, yep. you know, that's 
the, their downfall. And they then, have you ability know, to get hot. You're right. And then maybe the most important game of the weekend around here is we have New Canaan playing Darien in the championship game for the state title uh, at Rensselaer Field, UConn, where UConn plays. And I don't know if you saw how New Canaan won last week. They played. I Malone. did not see. I heard. Okay, so amazing. Briefly, Maloney uh, gets up eight nothing early. Uh, New Canaan ties at eight eight in the fourth quarter. But here's the thing. I mean, Lou Marinelli is 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 a legend here in New Canaan. I mean, 42 years or whatever it is. But I was watching, and this essentially would happen. I'll be real fast. They they're not in field goal range. They're going to try like a, a 47 yard field goal. I mean, there's no way this kid's going to be. He has his lineman, you know, move, you know, legally, and and Maloney jumps offside. Okay. Then they do the same move again. Maloney doesn't jump, but then they go into three-point stance and they jump. He got ten yards on 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 penalties in the last second, and the kid made a thirty-seven yard field goal by a foot. And wow, it was amazing. I mean, I felt so bad for those Maloney kids. Even, but here's what I really liked. I saw a lot of the New Canaan kids as soon as the game ended, and the Maloney kids were just sprawled out in the field, just upset and. They, they went over to those kids and tried to console them, and I thought that was really good sportsmanship. Good sportsmanship, good parenting, good coaching, and that's what I want to see in any program, high school, college, pro. That's what you look for. That's right. All right, Terry, we'll try to get one more in before Christmas. Sounds good, And, and uh, for now, we're going to sign off. This is Hamratty's Huddle with Terry Hamratty. I'm Dave Taromeo signing off, wishing you the best. Until next time.